Brilliant. Well, hi, I'm Dave McKeown, and it's so good to be here today on our Church Explain podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your teams. Yeah, I wonder, Steve, um, I was just thinking on this uh, giving power away and delegating and, you know, allowing people to try. If you have any strategy or anything that, that you do that, like you know when you want to take control you kind of don't don't you allow things to take place i wonder if you have any kind of strategy that would help a leader who's thinking i want to delegate stuff but there comes that moment where i I see it this way and i want to grab control i wonder if you have any strategy or anything that you do yeah great question I, i do remember hearing andy stanley speak about delegating and people coming up with ideas And he said something like this. I may not have the exact quotes, but it was make your first response wow, not how. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. and I've tried to do that because because my propensity is when someone comes up with something, I've given them authority, they come up with something, is to go into the weeds and seeds and say how. (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. rather I'm genuinely trying to step back. And and this is a strategy I do. I'm telling myself in my brain, don't say how, don't say how. Just go, wow, what a great idea. And then allow mm-hmm. them to give space to do the how. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sometimes mm-hmm. in that how that I can have a little bit of say into it. Uh, but I, I genuinely try and, if someone hadn't taken the risk with me, I mean, when we moved to Cambridge, I was 32 years of age. Most of our lead team are in that kind of region now, 32, kind of 28 to, mm-hmm. to 32. Um, I was given a lot of space mm. and, and younger than that as well. I mean, I remember I, I was went into full-time ministry at the age of 25. Um, you know, I've never mm. had a proper job since. Uh, just kept on doing it. <laughs> um, so p- people gave me a lot of trust. So I, th- I think it's, it's mostly, okay, I'm going to trust them and I'd be there to take the flack with them if it doesn't work as much as the glory is when good. it does. Because I think we like to mm. take the glory. But if it, do, if it goes wrong, mm. I'm not going to hide behind them and say, oh, it was your idea. Then I step in and say, we decided this. If mm. I gave you the authority mm. so people can – I'm more happy today for people to give me the complaints and protect them if I can possibly do that, I can't protect them fully, but um, I've heard so many, so, so much stuff over the years. I think I can ride it out a little bit better than they can. I think mm. I'm still a human being, mm. so I don't like that. But <laughs> yeah, the wow, the how, yeah. and then generally letting them come with the strategy, but being ready to have a little hand on the tiller in that process and then take the complaints afterwards if they come. Mm. Sounds like right. a great strategy, that Steve, especially with a multi-site sort of setup because it could be so easy as you say to go back and just be involved in every detail at every campus which is just it's obviously not good for growth really is it so it's just as you say thinking bigger Absolutely. and uh, releasing people to do the stuff yeah. yeah and and you're right there uh, dave about <clears throat> multi-site we found multi-site multi-site is not for everyone mm. um and mm. i know you know, in some places it's getting a bit of a bad press these days and they're, they're taking it back in. But for us, it was a God-given strategy. Yeah. But it 
it won't work if you are over controlling um, from central. Mm. I, don't, I don't think in our model. So we have to give genuinely authority to those that are location based and, and pastors there. Brilliant. So Steve, just thinking of the, um, the opportunities ahead, thinking of the, I suppose I'm trying to think of the global church, but also your church as well. I wonder for you, what do you think the future looks like for the church? What are the opportunities? Um, that That's maybe address it from a global setting, if we can do that. Maybe if you have some insight into that, and then maybe into your setting as well there, Cambridge. Yes. Well, we're in an interesting time globally, aren't we, for mm. the church? Um, we're recording this when there's a lot of stuff. turmoil and stuff that's coming out. Uh, I I have tried to avoid personally wading in on the negativity that comes, and I don't I don't like people pointing fingers and saying I told you so. Uh, there's a lot of negativity mm. around celebrity pastors. You can be a celebrity pastor with fifty people. Mm. Uh, we'll never hear mm. about the stuff that goes on there. This is my view. Now you can disagree with me, but because people have high profile positions, we hear about that, and the media get onto it, but. Anyone yeah. has that um, temptation in any setting. So I think there is a bit of a reset moment going on that is both as a consequence post-COVID. Uh, and I think people are rightly looking at the models that they've got and thinking, should they change? And my view on that is if God tells you to change it, change it. Uh, if you're still content with the model that you had pre-COVID, because God had told you that and he hasn't changed his mind on it, then stay with it. Mm. Don't be tempted to... I think the church historically, and particularly charismatic churches, can sometimes get into fads. So this is the latest fad. Uh, yeah. And I want to avoid fads. <laughs> I think keep the main thing the main thing and listen to God for yourself in your own location. Learn from others, mm -hmm. but don't copy others. What's what's the best for you? When I say don't copy, I mean, you, I've copied a lot of people. So um, I mean, adapt it to your context. Yes. Know mm. where you are. Uh, learn from them what they're doing, but don't you don't have to become a carbon copy of them. Mm. So I think it is a reset moment. And I'm glad to hear a lot of churches are reviewing what they're doing and thinking of doing it differently. Wonderful. Mm. Uh, mm. If that's what God tells you, the, the, the key in all we do, I know this is so obvious, but it's hearing the voice of the Lord. What What's God saying to you? Mm. Uh, and I think God is interested in locations. Look, look at Revelation, yeah, where Jesus speaks to different local churches. There yeah. are different things that that one local church has to do as opposed to the other. Uh, and and that's, that's the first recorded direct words we have of Jesus. Mm. Um, post-resurrection or post-ascension rather mm. and it's to local churches so he has a real love for the local church local church so i would say hear god for yourself and i think that's going on and i think it's forced people to do that so that's wonderful mm. i do think there is an opportunity technologically if i can say it in that way i think we mm. should all we were we were all before but we are now we should all be using technology in order to further the gospel. The, sure. That's where people are. Yeah. And the way it's gone, that is an opportunity. So mm. I think everyone should look at that with whatever resources they've got and say, 
how can we leverage that in the 21st century after COVID? Because it gave us a, a, an absolute boost to move things forward. Mm. I know some churches and people will hate this and we're not looking at it yet, but they're looking at um, virtual church that has to do with, you know, putting on the headsets and that kind of thing. It will probably come in. You know, yeah. People said, I'll never go online and they're all online now. They had to. So mm. virtual reality churches will probably develop. Mm. If you were to ask me, do I ever think that will replace gathered physical? I don't think it ever will. I think it will be a supplement, and I think it's a very positive supplement, but I don't think it will ever take the need for community being in flesh and blood at some point as well. Um, so yeah. I still think there's an opportunity for that because I think Definitely. people realized how lonely they were and how isolated through lockdown. So I'm sure we're the same as many churches. Although we haven't seen everybody come back, we have seen a lot of new people. And often yeah. the cry that is there for them is, we want to connect with people. Yeah, we yeah. want to talk to someone. Yeah. People yeah. are more isolated than ever. So I think we've got an opportunity to demonstrate how church can be true community. Uh, and it can demonstrate uh, a unity like no other organization on the face of God's earth. Mm -hmm. In our differences, yeah. we can be unified. So, So I think we've got, an amazing opportunity technologically, socially, because of, of, of uh, uh, the, the needs of society, particularly around loneliness. But I think as well, you know, we're going into a season again now where interest rates are going up, the inflation's high, people are struggling to pay bills. So there's a lot of need out there. Uh, and I think the church can help meet those needs. Now, mm. it's not all that we should be doing. We've, we've tried mm. to keep proclamation of the gospel, what it is, alongside social action and do both. It's not either or. Mm. I think we have an opportunity to meet felt needs, real needs mm. in the world around us. Yeah. You know, Ukraine and Christians taking people sure. in is, is an opportunity yeah. to demonstrate the love of God and that they will, people mm. will see something of God's love and God's mm. message through us. Mm. So I'm not, I, I, it's, it's hard times out there, let's be honest with people, but it gives the church a great opportunity. Yeah. Just picking up on something you said, Steve, actually, I think it's just a, a amazing insights, but you're talking about hearing God, um, you know, if you hear it from God. I wondered if you had like, you know, one thought, one thing that you do, uh, to hear God for your church that could help, you know, as a, a leader, someone who's leading something, who's thinking, I want to hear God, but I'm not hearing God. Is there something that you do to hear God for the church? Yeah. I suppose a few things come to mind. Um, number one is get alone with God. Um, I, I think in our busy world, we've probably neglected the discipline of solitude more than anything. Mm. Um, so I don't tend to hear God in the busyness. I usually hear God in the coming out. Now, and you need to find mm. what works for you. You know, for me, being in creation, uh, walking out in the countryside, I feel like I hear God. It's one of the things I enjoy when I'm fishing, if I'm honest. Although 
I've got to be truthful. When I'm fishing, I'm usually just trying to catch fish, so I don't want to make that too spiritual. Um, but because it, it's recreation, and, and I think we need that. So I, yeah. time, solitude with God. If I haven't got time alone with God, my soul suffers. Mm. So that, mm. that's one thing. The danger of that, so let me bring in another thing that, that balances that. I think we have to be very careful that I don't, think that i'm moses going up the mountain that then comes down with the word from god so mm. i also think the second part of it is that that needs to be tested in a community of friends and leaders so as that Great. together we say yeah you feel you've heard god in that and anyone else can have heard god mm. but let's see god together in that so prayer in leadership contexts and sounding out what we believe it is also important. And I know those two can sound a contradiction, but I don't believe they are. I believe it's just something we have to hold together. Mm. I can hear God in my alone time, but I don't want to be so separate in my leadership that not mm. to bring it into a corporate context. So it needs to be tested amongst us. And then together mm. we, will, we will do that, work that out. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Actually, brilliant uh, thoughts there, Steve, on that. Mm. And I think it's it's good because um, it takes the pressure off a little bit as well for the senior leader, doesn't it? That they don't have to be Moses going up the hill. Absolutely. Because I, I think years gone by, that was probably the thing that most senior leaders or people in roles like that thought, I have to be the person, they get the vision, they get everything. Yeah. But there's something powerful, as you say, about having something, but actually putting putting it within the community. Yes. the community of leaders or those around you and actually responsibility lies with the group and not just the individual. Yeah. And uh, I think there's something powerful in that that leaders can learn. So rather than feeling isolated yeah. and, and maybe struggling to think, how, how am I going to know what God's saying? To actually trust that God's put people around you, yeah. that those people also can hear as a community together yeah. to forge the way forward. Most certainly. And I think, in our language, we we try to do this. Mm. We try to say we rather than me. Brilliant. Um, Great. So when we did our Vision Sunday, it'd be an example of, of this. We tried to, I could have got up and said it all, but we had different people who were speaking at different times. Sure. People who have portfolio uh, responsibility, but it also <laughs> demonstrated to me we're in this together because yeah. what people see yeah. is what they think oh that's what's happening so it was more than one voice so the language of we and doing it together is really important and also the ability for that team particularly with the senior leader or leaders to be able to say no and mm. that, you know that there are times when our guys have said to me I just don't think that's right or it's not right for now yeah let's hold mm. it let's hold it up and i think again with all that's going on in the world about leaders leaders need to be able to demonstrate that that sense i don't like this word not because i'm afraid of the word but because it's used as a hammer against people um the word accountability yeah. but i think you do need yeah. it positive uh, positive accountability yeah. absolutely you do you do need it and you you've got to if people say no you gotta be able to take that now, some great uh, insights that people can uh, take forward. Um, we're going to change tack a little bit and talk buildings. You mentioned it earlier. You've been uh, uh, 
part of the uh, building project there in Cambridge, building a church, incredible building. And um, we haven't got time to share the whole story. Maybe we'll do that another time. Um, but I wondered if you could just um, inspire or some things that you uh, took from that building project that could inspire, mm. instruct other people who were going through that same process at the moment. Yeah, um, I think I'd say, remember, we've been here 28 years. It was very early on in our time here that we thought we really need a facility to be able to advance the cause. Mm. But Cambridge has been a lot of competition. Uh, so I'd say be careful not to compromise with competition for land, competition for buildings, you know, Microsoft, Apple, whoever you, you're competing against are coming into the city. It's not, mm. not easy. Um, so mm. I'd, I'd say don't compromise what you want ultimately so we waited and waited and then this site came up which was an old church site 1930s 1960s build which was within the center of cambridge it's it's not the very center because that's king's college and all the colleges that are there but it's on the edge of center so it's cb1 which is the postcode which is really where we wanted Mm. now i've got to be honest i'm saying don't compromise because i was tempted so many times to compromise and find a building yeah. out there or a building there, but it would not have served mm. the purposes or done what we did. We, we did so. Be careful not to compromise. And if that's going to take you longer, better to wait uh, than get the wrong building. I think the other mm. thing is realize every delay serves you a, a, a good purpose. So we had mm-hmm. so many delays. I could tell you story after mm. story. Builders that, 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 that promised the earth and then didn't come back with the, the quotes and all kinds. But every delay served for a purpose for us to get the right place or even simply to have more time. I used to think time was an enemy. Time was a friend in the end because it enabled us to, to save more money, mm. enabled us to get our mm. ducks in a row, whatever that phrase comes from, enabled us <laughs> to, uh, even on the, the building, when our first builders dropped out, and they threatened us with court action and all kinds. Say so they dropped out. We pulled out from them because we found out they were in actually a, a very precarious administration position and we were going to be their rescue. But that was a big disappointment to go to the church and say, you know, we were said we were going to build. Well, we can't because the builders who were the cheapest by a long way, they're not in a position to make this happen. So we got to mm. go to the next group and the next group was another million pounds and we didn't have that million pounds. But, but it, it gave us time to value engineer the project and to save. So it took us another nine months. And in that nine months, we raised a lot more money. So, so it, was, yeah. it was to an advantage. And also, mm. and I can't tell the story because of time, but when we moved in, we, we were phasing the building. Well, and we, we had an old building, which we didn't own. But, but at that point, we thought, let's try and get ownership of it. Well, 25 years earlier, we tried to get ownership of it, and we were told we couldn't. We couldn't. Mm-hmm. Because 25 years had gone past, different legislation, different things had happened, different examples, wow. we were then allowed to get it. And we, we were able wow. to sell that building to another church, which had only mm-hmm. just planted into the area, so they were looking for a building. Yeah. And, and to be honest, they couldn't afford it either. They were only able to do it because a consortium of businessmen were able to do it for them who just offered to do that for them on a house 
and they said, don't do it on wow. the house, do it on the building. So what I'm saying is the timing of God, and then they paid us a million, mm. and we were able to finish off the rest of the building. So Amazing. every delay turned to our advantage. I just need to remember that ongoingly because I, I want things to happen <laughs> fast. Yeah. But but yeah. it served to our advantage. I think the last thing I'd say about buildings, remember buildings do speak. Architecture speaks. So when yeah. you're building, be careful how you build. Uh, use the right yeah. people to help you. Uh, I've had people join us simply because they drove past the building. They didn't know anything about it, but they thought, that's a nice-looking building. Oh, it's a church. And they came in. Um, I've got a pair of glasses here, which I'll take these off. A guy bought me. Um, I was talking to him, and my glasses broke. And I said, oh, I like your glasses. And he said to me, I'll take you to my opticians tomorrow to buy you some. And he bought me those. Most expensive pair of glasses I've ever had. They're not great for a computer. Wow. That's why I'm changing them now. But <laughs> my point was, he said, I joined this church because I drove past and saw your building. Mm. He said, and I love wow. it. It's done well. So architecture just speak, and you reap the benefits mm. of that, even if it's only a pair of glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Amazing. We, we all need to see things right, don't we? We'll yeah. say no more. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, you had a few good thoughts in there, really. Um, and maybe we will come back and do another podcast with you, Steve, around the buildings. And maybe people are thinking through that. It might be useful at some point yeah. in the future. But I, I love that that nugget of idea there, that actually time is our friend. It's not yeah. our enemy. Yeah. And I think that's key because a lot of people in church uh, feel times against us. You know, we're in a rush. We've got to do it quick. It's all going to happen. Like. Right. But sometimes when we do that, we compromise creativity, don't we? Because we're not given space and time to think the dream we want it done yesterday. Absolutely. And uh, so I love that. Time time is your friend. It's not yeah. your enemy. And I Brilliant. think someone, someone once said about God, um, God is not in a rush. It's one of his most infuriating attributes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. And, yeah. I've understood that more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah. if some things had happened when we wanted them to happen, I wasn't ready. We weren't ready as a people. And so there is something of the timing of God in all of it. Mm. So, Steve, we want to get a couple of more questions before we wrap up today. It's been brilliant to have you on the show. Um, but can you share with us, and uh, maybe all our listeners, um, who has been your biggest inspiration and why? Uh, try not to say Jesus. We're taking that as a given. But uh, if there's somebody, if there's somebody else. Sorry if I've racked that for you. Oh, Do you know what I mean? That's all I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. Who's been your inspiration and why? Well, it's an interesting question because I think I go back in my mind to people who inspired me in early stages rather than in later stages. Mm. Um, mm. You, you know, so I mentioned my mum. My mum was. Uh, a, a superb communicator and she was a leader in a context where women weren't allowed to lead sure. you know so she was a pioneer so i saw the way she got knocked back simply because she was a woman in the context wow. we were in mm. and i found that an inspiration how she kept going uh, so so i always i always learned from her and, and life wasn't easy and um, you know trials and stuff that we went through I think she was the biggest influence on me of, of keeping going. 
of just keeping a positive attitude uh, and coming back even when you've been pushed back. So I think I have to say my mum my in that context, and that's the why, because she was so, so determined. She was a, a wren in the, in the war, in the Second World War. And I always remember a, a saying, she was eventually, they allowed her to splice uh, ropes and things, because obviously she was in the, the Navy, the, the Women's Navy. Wow. And she said, I could splice as good as any man. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. was her kind of attitude. In order, she wasn't anti-man but she wasn't going to be pushed down when she knew she had gifting. Wow. Uh, and she was yeah. like that in communication. So, so her, uh, I've been listening again to some music as well. When I was a teenager, music and Christian music was a big influence on me. Mm. Uh, but there was a guy called Keith Green who uh, wrote a lot of radical, I'm listening to them again, radical songs about uh, obedience and about sacrifice. Uh, the, the, in the church that I, I grew up in, the heroes were the, the missionaries that came in, and I'm, I'm grateful yeah. for that. You know, they, they, yeah. they were willing to give their lives. I actually thought, I said this to my wife when we, well, she wasn't my wife, she was 14, I was 16. I said to her, we're going to do something full time for Jesus, and we'll probably die for it. Because that's what yeah. I was listening to. That's what I was the music of Keith Green. So, and he died at a very early age in a plane crash. Mm. But I realized, listening back to it now, this is the 80s, what an influence that, that music, 70s and 80s, what an influence that music was on me. Um, so he was a bit of a hero. Um, who else? Well, <laughs> I'll stick with the music theme because uh, I went to a concert a couple of weeks ago by, the, by Graeme Kendrick. And uh, it, some of you won't know this, but uh, he he was a pioneer in Christian music. And, and I met him at, at one event last year, the last one. Again, I've met him a few times. But I'm totally overwhelmed by his humility. So at the concert we went to, a guy got up at the end and he said, uh, my daughter's just home from university. And I was going out tonight, so my daughter said to me, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to a Graham Kendrick concert. And she said, who's he? Yeah. And everyone laughed, you know. And, and he said, that shows maybe two things. Number one, my daughter's ignorance. <laughs> but then he said, my, I, I decided to show my daughter a photograph of Graham Kendrick. She said, he said, here he is. This is whose concert we're going to. And she said, him? That's the guy who leads worship in my church. Yeah. Uh, so she, he said, so it's two things. One, my daughter's ignorance, or two, Graham Kendrick's humility. Uh, mm. And I'm, I'm struck by that humility, and I'm, I'm looking around the world right now inspiring me, and I think it's more humility than hype. Yeah, there's been a mm. lot of hype mm. and humility of people, and so people that show that, and Graham Kendrick, I think, shows that in absolute oodles of... of uh, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> there's there's three people. My mum, Keith Green, Graham Kendrick. I, I listen to different preachers all the time. They've inspired me. Uh, a, a guy I particularly like, um, I, I, I'd have said to you, he, he was my favourite preacher, is a guy called John Ortberg. You mm. may have read some of his mm. books. But I like the way he, and I, I can't do this as well as him, I like the way he brings a knowledge of God and an understanding of people together. And I think that makes mm. for a great preacher. 
great communicator. If you can understand people, you understand God, and bring the kiss of those together, yeah. then you'll you'll touch hearts. So he has been an inspiration to me as well. Awesome, amazing, amazing. Well, Steve, as we're getting to the end, I wonder if uh, there's a, another idea or something that you're thinking on that uh, you could encourage our listeners with. What would that kind of idea or encouragement be? Yeah, I think I've probably already said it, if, I, if I'm honest. But trying to think of something different, mm. um, I was going—I was going to say, you know, be patient, uh, p- people. Twenty-eight years here. Yeah, I had to yeah. find the miracle in the mundanity of life. So I suppose mm-hmm. I'd say this: don't don't always be looking for the big flashy moments. Yeah, they happen. I've told you about some with the prisons and C3 Impact and read a lady in our service the other week healed totally of a blind eye instantly. I'd like to wow. give you a hundred stories like that. I haven't got them, but they happen. But find mm. the miracle in the mundanity, in, in the everyday right. one foot in front of the other. Just keep going because you'll realize after 10 years, oh, I've got a lot further than I thought, but I thought I'd get there in one, but I've got there. Mm. Yeah. Or, the, or in 20 years, or in my case, 30 years, just keep putting one foot on the other and find God in those mundane moments of every day. I think that's what I would say to people. Wow, that's fantastic, Brilliant. Steve. Steve, thanks for being on the show with us. We're going to wrap up at this point, and Nathan's going to share a couple more comments before we finish today. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Now it's been so good to have Steve with us and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Church Explained podcast, everyone. Uh, if you could subscribe, rate, review wherever you're consuming this content, then that helps us massively. And share it with someone that you know that uh, would be inspired or helped by this episode. Make sure you check out the show notes that you can find at icon.church forward slash open, plus also a load of free resources. But we look forward to uh, being together next time on the Church Explained podcast. We will see you soon.